Welcome back to Rams Up, your Los Angeles Rams podcast. We're a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover just about any SoCal sports team, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 50 of our second season. A lot to cover here. No Ram game to cover this week, but we have a lot of good stuff to get into, including our Rams award ceremony, six games in. We'll also be passing out grades for each unit. And of course, we got to talk about this Christian McCaffrey trade. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, you're missing out. I posted a video on this subject. I'll cover everything again here, though. Also posted a video last night, Sunday night, addressing this crazy Sunday of results, including a loss by the 49ers, a loss by the Bucks, and the Packers also losing. The 49ers going down despite adding that new toy, Christian McCaffrey. Good day for the Rams in that respect. Please go to that channel, subscribe, and give those videos some likes. You can find our channel by going to our website, ramsup.com, and clicking on the YouTube link, and there you are. You'll be on our YouTube channel. So let's talk about this trade real quickly. They gave up a lot, but, you know, they've added a really good weapon. If Christian McCaffrey is healthy, this becomes a very formidable offense to defend. They still have that weak link at quarterback, but Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and now Christian McCaffrey... George Kittle hasn't been doing as much lately, but he's still a very good tight end. He was a big part of the 49er attack in the loss to the Chiefs. Wow, what a big loss that is. Good news for the Rams. We'll get into that a couple of times over the course of this episode. It's pretty scary trying to defend these guys. I think the Rams' defense will be well positioned to do that, but still can't be happy to see the 49ers adding this guy But there's also a lot of risk. There's a downside to this. He's got a significant injury history. Missed 23 out of 33 games over 2020 and 2021. Seems to be healthy now. But giving up that many picks for a running back, for anyone at the running back position for that matter, but a guy with that injury history, there's some risk there. 49ers going out on a limb, but it could pay off big. We'll have to see. I thought it was kind of funny to hear certain writers saying, hey, the 49ers flipped the table on the Rams. Rams got the best of the 49ers with the Stafford trade, and now the 49ers have flipped the tables on them. Mike Florio was saying that. This is the same guy that criticized the Stafford trade, just went off on what a horrible trade that was, how it was a desperation move by the Rams. And the 49ers pull off this trade, and all of a sudden it's, hey, We got your Rams. We did one over on you. I look at it the other way. The Rams backed out when the price got too high, and they were probably very happy to have helped to drive the price up for Christian McCaffrey, 49ers dumping all those draft picks for a running back. So are the Rams happy McCaffrey is with the 49ers? Probably not. Would they like to have him themselves? I'm sure. But is this a case where the Rams lost out? Not so much. They backed out when they thought it was appropriate. And hey, that's maybe the smart move. History will tell us. McCaffrey also gets $12 million 
next year, the year after, and the year after that. That's a lot to pay for an injury-prone running back. And it also makes this next matchup between the two teams even more important, maybe more important for the 49ers. If the Rams can find a way to beat the 49ers in McCaffrey, what is that going to say about that trade? 49ers should be expected to win and probably will come into that game fully expecting to win. I give the Rams a good shot, though. McCaffrey had some impact on that game against the Chiefs. Niners lose that one, of course. I'll talk a little bit more about that in our loop around the league. But how much pressure is on the Niners now as they head south to play the Rams coming into that game at 3-4? and four? If they were to lose that, they're going to be in a really bad spot. It would just be a giant win for the Rams if they could sink the Niners to 3-5. and five. I thought the Rams may have pulled off a trade this week, but no news yet. And it kind of makes sense that if they have a trading partner with a team playing this week, maybe they'd wait till after the Sunday games. So don't be surprised if the Rams make a move. And if they do, check our YouTube channel. We'll drop something pretty quickly. So next up, our awards. Handing out awards for the Rams six weeks into the season. We'll be handing out grades for each unit as well, and we'll follow that with our loop around the league. And at the very end, as something I haven't done in a while, another sports pet peeve. We'll close things out with that. It's that time of year again. Time for our mid-season Rams Award Ceremony. Now, it's not really mid-season. It's their bye week, week seven, six games in. Ideally, we do this at the real midway point, but things are going to get crazy. You know we're not going to have time for it. So we're going to do it now. Who are our Rams Award winners after six games? We'll start off with our Rookie of the Year. Who are the candidates? Well, right now, still really difficult to assess this draft class. Our first pick, Logan Bruss, out for the year. Our second pick in round four, Kobe Durant. Kobe Durant played really well before he got dinged up. He was probably the front runner a few weeks ago. Kyron Williams played one snap. Quentin Lake hasn't played at all. Daniel Hardy hasn't played at all. Russ Yeast starting to get some playing time with the secondary banged up. I think he's ahead of Terrell Burgess at this point. And A.J. Curry still on the practice squad. I left one guy out, and the one guy is our winner, Darion Kendrick. Sixth round pick, 212th overall. He has three pass breakups and one TD allowed on 124 coverage snaps. One missed tackle on 220 snaps. This guy is getting it done. Really promising future for the Rams at cornerback between Kendrick and Durant. And Kendrick, remember, he was pegged as a potential first-round pick at one point, and not sure what happened. had a lot to do with his pro day where he had a slow 40 time, but Rams are the beneficiary of that. They got a stud in the sixth round. So not even close. Our rookie of the year at this point, Darion Kendrick, the cornerback out of Georgia and Clemson. Most improved player, who are our nominees? Coleman Shelton earned that starting job at right guard and then moved to center, and now he's hurt. Taylor Rapp 
Still gets a lot of Ram hate, but last time I looked, he hadn't missed a defensive snap. Wish we could get more splash plays from Rap, some interceptions, but Raheem Morris obviously loves him, and he plays hard, he plays tough, he plays physical, occasionally misses some tackles, but overall doing a good job, I think. But the winner, it's clear who the winner is, Ben Skaronic. Last year, over 14 games played, he had 11 receptions for 133 yards. This year, in six games, he's doubled that. 23 receptions for 354 yards. He's got a rushing TD. He has earned a job as a part-time fullback. Blocks incredibly well. Our most improved player, Ben Skaronic. This one was kind of a no-brainer. Who was our defensive player of the year thus far? I've got four nominees. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Ernest Jones, and Bobby Wagner. You know, I'm just a big fan of Ernest Jones. He is crazy good. Does not get the recognition he deserves. People don't realize just how good our young inside linebacker is. Jalen Ramsey, you know, he does have a lot of splash plays but he also has that occasional breakdown. And Bobby Wagner, solid. You know, he's still performing at a very high level, but how can we give it to anyone other than Aaron Donald, right? Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in the league, still perhaps the best player in the league. You could argue the best player ever. Go ahead, argue with me. We can have that argument. But defensive player of the year has to go to Aaron Donald. Offensive player of the year, do we really want to spend a lot of time on this? Uh, I got three nominees, Cooper Cup, Rob Havenstein, and Tyler Higby. All three of them playing pretty well. Tyler Higby's had a couple of drops, though, uncharacteristic of him. But come on, who's it got to go to? Cooper Cup getting it done, game in and game out in every facet of the game, blocking, route running, catching, taking the ball to the house, mentoring some of the younger guys, Cooper Cup, no-brainer, our Offensive Player of the Year. What's my favorite defensive play so far of the year? I got five nominees. One would be Kendrick's pass breakup against the Cardinals. Big play on fourth down. How about Donald's pressure on Mariota that caused Ramsey's interception when it looked like the Falcons might come back and beat us? More recently, Ramsey's tackle of Christian McCaffrey, that was, again, Ramsey has those splash plays, and that was one of them. How about Kobe Durant's pick six against the Falcons? Well, actually, it wasn't a pick six. It was pretty darn close, though. Big return by the rookie. And the fifth nominee, AD's 100th sack against the Cardinals, tripping up Kyler Murray. And, you know, that's going to be my winner AD's 100th sack. What a milestone for the great Aaron Donald against a divisional rival in a big moment. I think Ramsey's tackle and Kobe Durant's were probably more memorable, at least as far as an eye test, but I'm taking AD's 100th sack. My favorite offensive play of the year thus far Well, my first nominee is Cup's 75-yard catch-and-run against the Cowboys. Blazed through that defense. 
and another one by Cup, that toe-tapper at the back of the end zone against the Bills. Problem with both of those games is that that was really the extent of our highlights. Maybe that's why they stand out even more. Nominee number three, the last nomination actually, Stafford's spin move in completion to Cup. Cup again, Cup mentioned in all three of these. This is really about Stafford. Third and 11 against the Cardinals. Got some big time pressure. Defender grabbed his shoulder. He spun away and zipped it to Cup for a first down. There were about four minutes left in the third quarter. The Cardinals had scored nine straight points. Rams' offense was sluggish, doing nothing, and Stafford came up with that big play. My winner is going to be that 75-yard catch and run by Cup. He looked so blazing fast on that. Now, I have to say that toe-tapper against the Bills was pretty incredible, but I think the catch and touchdown against the Cowboys showed off all of Cup's skills. A great route, great hands, turned up field, and just looked so fast, dusting the Cowboys secondary for the touchdown. So that's my favorite offensive player of the year. Who was my most disappointing player? I have three nominees. One was Joseph Noteboom, out for the year. Don't want to kick a guy when he's down, but when he was in there, he was disappointing. Let's admit it. Was not playing to the level we were hoping. My second nominee is Matthew Stafford. He's been okay at times, but he needs to be better. He has to get better. He's made some really bad decisions, bad throws. Of course, he's been pummeled as well, so maybe we should cut him some slack. But my most disappointing player, it's pretty clear cut here. Had to see this coming. Another no-brainer, Cam Akers. Cam Akers on two levels, disappointing. Disappointing as a performer and disappointing as a teammate, deciding that the we-not-me thing isn't quite working for Cam Akers, apparently. So he's my winner. In a runaway, my most disappointing player, Cam Akers. And who's my most disappointing draft pick? Well, it's Logan Bruss, right? Now, I know he's hurt, out for the year, and there's still a lot of hope. Sometimes these offensive linemen take time to develop, but I would just remember Sean McVay saying, hey, let's go get our starting guard, and it didn't quite work out that way. It didn't look like it was going to work out that way, and now we won't know for another year what we have here, but none of the other draft picks I can say are disappointing at all other than being hurt. The ones that have gotten on the field have actually played pretty well. I mean, you got to put things in perspective. Uh, a seventh-round pick like our Curry, is he disappointing at this point? Absolutely not. Let's give him some time. Russ Yeast, another seventh-round pick? No, not disappointing at all, considering where he was drafted. And the same with Daniel Hardy. But Logan Bruss, got to be disappointed that he wasn't playing well in the preseason, if not dominating. I went back and looked at the 2021 draft and picked my best and worst picks of that draft. The draft pick I am most pleased with and the one I am labeling as my most disappointing. And who do we have here? We had Tutu Atwell, Ernest Jones, Bobby Brown, Robert Rochelle, Jacob Harris, Ernest Brown IV, Jake Funk, who has moved on, and Ben Skowronik. Well, the best pick in my mind was Ernest Jones. I already mentioned him once before. 
This guy's a stud. We got him in the third round. Great draft pick. Now, most disappointing, there's some guys you can really consider here. Atwell as our first pick and considering that we could have had Creed Humphrey, the center. But I'm not labeling Tutu Atwell as the most disappointing draft pick. I think there have been hints that he could be really good. He just needs more opportunities. So I'm not giving up on Tutu Atwell yet. Robert Rochelle, a little disappointing fourth round pick. Uh, he's been banged up a lot, though. I'm going to have to say Bobby Brown, our, our third pick that year, our first of three fourth-round picks, barely played last year. I see he was credited with one assistant tackle on the year. This year gets suspended. Now he's back. He better start producing pretty soon. We're really counting on him boosting that defensive line rotation, the depth there, and has added nothing so far. So it's Bobby Brown time. Step up, Mr. Brown, or you're going to find yourself on this list again in another award ceremony, and it may not look pretty. You know, I at the very end, I added a last category, most underappreciated player, and I think there's a lot of guys that qualify here, and I'm not going to pick a winner. It's just too difficult. It really depends on your perspective, who's underappreciated. I think Taylor Rapp's underappreciated. I think he gets more hate than he deserves. I think his partner back there at safety, Nick Scott, is underappreciated. He's a guy who got into the starting lineup when Jordan Fuller got hurt, and he's never looked back. And he's a guy that does make splash plays. If you think about it, He's made a number of really big plays back there on the back end for the Rams. Seriously underappreciated, in my opinion. I think Ashawn Robinson, we always forget about him. Playing next to Aaron Donald. It's a very steady force along that defensive line. I don't think Daryl Henderson gets the love he deserves. I mean, he's not breaking off those 12 and 15 and 20 yard runs as much as we'd like. Has he, does he have any, actually? But I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. He comes to play, has a great attitude, hangs onto the football. I think Ram fans don't appreciate him. I would have had Ben Skaronic on this list, but I think he's pretty appreciated at this point. And Ernest Jones, probably not as appreciated as he should be, but I think some of these guys are more underappreciated. I think Ram Nation is starting to recognize how good Ernest Jones is. Not so much the national media, maybe. They fall in love with the Fred Warners and the Bobby Wagners and the Levante Davids, and I get it. They're great linebackers. But Jones is underappreciated. I don't think he's the most underappreciated player on this team at this point, though. I think Ram fans are starting to appreciate Darion Kendrick, so he wouldn't win this award, but deserves to be mentioned. And lastly, Alaric Jackson, really just climbing into the limelight over the last week or so. And suddenly he's the man about town. The spotlight's on Alaric Jackson. Ram fans will come to appreciate him in the coming weeks, hopefully. If I had to pick a winner, who is the guy that is the most underappreciated player? It's really tough, really tough. I'd probably go with Ernest Jones. You know, people 
talk about Bobby Wagner on the Rams, and they talk about all these great linebackers across the league. And then a guy like Ernest Jones just goes out there and gets it done every down. Not as flashy as some other players, perhaps. But man, I'll take Ernest Jones as my starting inside linebacker any day of the week. Maybe he'll get some Pro Bowl votes this year. Probably not. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Ernest Jones is our most underappreciated player. How about that? That is our award ceremony. I'm going to come back in a minute and give you my grades for each Rams unit. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. And if you're looking for a Week 8 same-game parlay, let's look at that Dolphins at Lions game in Detroit. Tua should be playing. Dolphins are going to try to keep him in the pocket, move the ball through the air against a suspect Lions defense. And I think Goff is going to have a productive day against this Dolphins pass defense as well. So this is my same game parlay for week eight. Take the over on the passing yardage for both Tua and Goff and take the over on the score. This game could get out of hand, could be very high scoring. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, as a follow-on to our little award ceremony, let's hand out some grades for each unit. We'll start with the quarterbacks. Matthew Stafford, 7th in the league in yardage. That's actually surprising, 1,576 yards, 6 TDs, and 8 interceptions, and a QBR of 46.4. Also surprising, of the guys with over 150 attempts, he is 2nd in completion percentage, 71.1%. The only guy better in that category, Geno Smith. Middle of the pack as far as yards per attempt right at seven, seven yards per attempt. Now he's been hammered, been sacked a lot, doesn't have a lot of time in the pocket, but he still made some bad decisions. We expect more out of Matthew Stafford, and I think he will get better once that offensive line gets back on track, but I'm giving our quarterback room, otherwise known as Matthew Stafford, a C plus. Running backs, again, their production is linked obviously to the offensive line, the performance of those guys up front. Daryl Henderson, 46 rushes for 181 yards and two TDs, 3.9 yard average. He has struggled in pass blocking at times. Can't ding him too much as far as running the ball again due to that dire situation along the offensive line. He plays tough though. He plays really hard. I would give Henderson a B, but I'm not quite done here with the 
running back room, Cam Akers. Really don't even want to talk about it. He just drags this grade down. Anderson by himself, like I said, would be a B, but I'm giving the running back room a C plus. Now, when Kyron Williams gets on track, maybe there will be a real uptick here. We need some help at running back, in my opinion. Wide receivers. Cooper Cup, what more can you say? Leads the league in receptions, fourth in yards. Probably the team's MVP at this point. Allen Robinson started out real slow, maybe starting to cook a little bit. Ben Skowronik has made significant contributions, obviously. 23 catches for 221 yards, a rushing TD. 2-2, Rams need to get him more involved. Brandon Powell, he's getting some touches. No Van Jefferson, and I'm giving this group an A, and with Van Jefferson coming back, it could uptick to an A+. Maybe it should be an A-. minus. Cooper Cup is dragging this grade way up. It's hard to give a room, including Cooper Cup, anything less than an A. I'll stick with the A. Tight end, it's really about one guy, right? Tyler Higby. No one else really worth talking about here. Bryson Hopkins has disappeared again due to his suspension. Kendall Blanton getting a couple catches here and there. Higby, 34 catches for 297 yards. Still looking for his first TD. Good blocker, though. Plays hard. I love Tyler Higby. I'm going to give this group Really, Tyler Higby, a B. He's had a couple drops, though. He needs to improve there. Offensive line, got to roll with a D. And it's not really like you can lay the blame on a particular player. Everybody's been hurt. Shelton, Allen, Nopum, Edwards, Ankrum, Bruss. Havenstein's played well. Alaric Jackson, he's in there now. He's playing well. Bobby Evans, I think he's okay in the run game. Abushi, is he the answer? I don't know. We just need some people to get healthy namely Allen, and hopefully Edwards. Could we see him coming back? So the grade's a D, but it's understandable. Defensive line, a solid A, borderline A+. Aaron Donald and Ashawn Robinson are studs. Robinson third in the team in tackles, AD fourth. Greg Gaines, not showing up as much as he did last year on tape. Marquise Copeland has actually stepped up, though. They both have the same number of tackles, 12. Solid A for that group. Outside linebackers, where are the sacks? I don't care about the scheme. I don't care what their assignments are. They got to get to the quarterback more than just once. One sack among the group. I didn't mention Leonard Floyd when I talked about disappointing players this year because he's been playing the run really well, racking up a lot of tackles, but zero sacks. Collins doesn't have a sack. Lewis has the one, and Lewis also has an interception. At this point, a C-plus can't do any better than that. Inside linebacker, it's really those two guys, Wagner and Jones. I'm giving them an A-plus. They're one and two in tackles. Wagner with 46, Jones with 42. Love both of these players. And how about this? Bobby Wagner, so far this season, Pro Football Focus's highest graded Linebacker, 89.8, zero missed tackles, zero missed tackles on the season. Pretty impressive. Cornerbacks, this unit deserves a lot of credit for holding it together with guys going out and coming back. Everyone has played well when they've had their chances. Grant Haley, Kobe Durant, Darion Kendrick, J. 
Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey might be the most inconsistent of all of them, actually, as Troy Hill played well but got banged up. Three interceptions among the group, Ramsey, Hill, and Durant. I'm giving this group an A, and it could actually improve with Troy Hill coming back. So I could see this turning into an A+. They have their work cut out for them coming up. Some tough offenses they're going to face, but cannot complain about our cornerback play. Safeties, Rapp and Scott have played well. They really have played well. I know Rapp has missed a couple tackles here and there. I get it. Jordan Fuller banged up again, and Rapp and Scott have nailed down the starting jobs there for the foreseeable future. We just need more consistency from Rapp and maybe some takeaways, some splash plays from him. Burgess, a bit of an enigma still. Russ Yeast starting to get some snaps. Nick Scott has the interception. Two forced fumbles from this group, Fuller and Scott. I'm going to give them an A-. minus. Special teams, I'll give it a B. Matt Gay has been solid, had the one miss. Punter, nothing spectacular out of our kicker, Riley Dixon. But they did have that one fake punt that they converted. Got to give them credit for that. They were top five in punt returns last year. This year, middle of the pack. Coaching, I will give them a B. Raheem Morris, I'll give him an A. Sean McVay and the guys drawing up the plays on offense, probably a B-. They've really had one hand tied behind their back with no Van Jefferson, a patchwork offensive line. I still think they have failed to get Tutu Atwell involved more and even Brandon Powell be a little more creative in their play calling and their play design. So overall, I'll give the coaching a B, but it's really difficult to slam the coaching on the offensive side of the ball, given all the challenges they've been faced with. So i got to cut them some slack. It's got to get better though, right? Guys are going to get healthy, and I think our offense is going to pick it up. Certainly hope so. That's my grade sheet for the Rams after six games. Maybe do this after 12, see where we stand. See if we can see some improvement on the score sheet, especially at offensive line, running back, quarterback, and outside linebacker. Those are the four units that really need to improve if we're going to make a playoff push here. Let's get into our week seven loop around the league. Now, last night... Sunday night, I dropped a video on our YouTube channel explaining the significance of these results from a Rams perspective. If you missed that, well, you missed it. Go back and check it out, though, and subscribe to that channel. Really appreciate it. Thursday night, Cardinals 42, Saints 34. 14 to 14 late in the first half, and then two pick sixes sealed the Saints' fate. Teams getting greedy at the end of the half, something the Rams have been guilty of. Andy Dalton threw for 361 yards and four TDs, but those two pick sixes and another interception. DeAndre Hopkins, his first game back from suspension, 10 catches, 103 yards. A.J. Green did not get a snap in this game. Sunday morning, Ravens 23, Browns 20. The Ravens led 23-13 with 11 minutes left and then almost collapsed again. The Browns tried a 60-yard field goal just inside the two-minute warning that was blocked. And this result made me very happy. Panthers 21, Buccaneers 3. Now we're all thinking the Panthers are are a team that you can get healthy against 
but didn't work out for the Bucks, who are really stumbling now. Can't run the ball. Very beatable right now. P.J. Walker throws two TD passes after barely throwing beyond the line of scrimmage against the Rams last week. The Bucks just don't look like a contender right now. But if you look at that NFC South, hey, I guess everyone is at this point, except maybe the Panthers. Bengals 35, Falcons 17. Joe Burrow tore it up in the first half, 345 yards, finished with 481 yards and three TDs, spoiled the Falcons' chances of taking sole possession of first place in their division. Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase both Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase both going over the 100-yard mark. Cowboys 24, Lions 6. Dak Prescott's first game back. You know, the Lions were hanging with them, really playing some tough football, moving the ball, but kicking field goals, playing some really good defense. And then they just started making mistake after mistake after mistake, including fumbling on first and goal from the one. Giants 23, Jags 17, tight game came down to the last possession. Giants D held at their own 17. Titans 19, Colts 10. A 76-yard pick six in the first half really was the big play of the game. Other than that, not a lot going on in offense. All field goals in the second half. And another result that was good for the Rams cause, the Commanders 23, the Packers 21. Now, I already put the Commanders on my list of teams that can kiss the season goodbye. Maybe a bit a little premature, but look at their division. Got three teams cruising along at the top and the Commanders trying to stay relevant. What's going on with the Packers? Rodgers throws for just 194 yards, but this is a good commander defense. Packers were shut out in the second half until Rodgers threw a TD pass with 326 left. Afternoon games, Jets 16, Broncos 9. Broncos playing without Russell Wilson. Brees Hall looks like he tore his ACL in that game. That's a real bummer. The rookie was off to a great start. Looks like a future star in this league. And if this is true, we might not see him again until next year. Big blow to the Jets. Raiders 38, Texans 20. Took a while for Vegas to get going, but once they warmed up, they took care of the Texans pretty easily. It was 10 to 10 at the half. Josh Jacobs, three second half TDs. The Raiders also had a pick six in the second half. And we really wanted the Chargers to pick up a win this week hosting the Seahawks, but they didn't. They lost 37 to 23. Seattle's draft looking better and better each week. Their defense is starting to gel. And Kenneth Walker III, he already had over 90 yards when he busted off a 74-yard TD run. Chargers dropped to 4-3. and three. It really surprised me. I thought they'd take care of the Seahawks. No such luck. Seahawks find themselves in first place in the NFC West. And remember my bet. Take the over on the win total. Five and a half wins for the Seahawks. They've already got four. Chiefs 44, 49ers 23. Now, I don't want to put too much stock into this. The Chiefs are a really good team, and when Patrick Mahomes gets humming, they are really difficult to beat. 49ers found that out. But this is great news for the Rams. We didn't want the Niners rolling into SoFi all supercharged with McCaffrey in tow and having just beat the Chiefs. No, this is a good result for the Rams, obviously, in more ways than one. Sets up a really big clash next week. And the 49ers, there's a lot of pressure on them. 
They gotta win this game or it's a really bad look. Can't wait for this one. The best rivalry in the NFL right now, I think so, Rams and Niners. McCaffrey, by the way, got off like gangbusters, ripping off a, a couple of 10-yard runs, but was pretty quiet after that. And in the Sunday night game, the Dolphins take care of the Steelers 16-10. to Hey, I haven't done any sports pet peeves in a while, but I got one for you. This has been bugging me for a while, and it popped up again. I was watching the Cardinal Saint game on Thursday night, and I also had the game on my phone, the ESPN app. And I knew the Saints had just scored. They had gone up 7 to nothing. And a few minutes later, I pull up my phone, look at it, and it says, uh, Saints have the ball at their own 35, first and 10. I was like, well, wait a minute. What's going on here? It, now, it took me a moment to digest that. And in fact, it wasn't first and 10 at the Saints 35. I guess they had possession, but they're about to kick off. Is that really that difficult a problem for ESPN to solve after a team scores? They have the ball at their own 35, and you're going to show it as first and 10, and they have possession? Got to be a better way. Is it that difficult? Is this a computer programming monster problem that they haven't been able to solve to maybe just the put some text on there that says something like, oh, I don't know, Saints kickoff forthcoming. If anyone pulled up that phone without knowing what was going on, they would think Saints up 7 nothing, and they have the ball at their own 35, first and 10. I know, it's just a little thing. Can't believe in this day and age, though, that a corporation like ESPN can't solve it. And I think the other ones do the same thing. CBS Sports is the only other one I use, actually. And I think you'll see the same thing. First and 10 at your own 35 after scoring. No indication that you're actually about to kick off. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at ramsup.com. You'll find links to all of our episodes and a link to our YouTube channel. And you can also leave us a voicemail from our website. Don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. It's really appreciated. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.